from Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Today we welcome back farmer Claire Hintz of Elsewhere Farm on the northern banks of Lake Superior in Wisconsin. Claire shares how she identifies and manages human risks on her specialty crop farm. How can you work fast but safe, manage labor, and more importantly, take care of your farm's most important asset, yourself? Claire Hintz runs Elsewhere Farm, a production permaculture farm near the south shore of Lake Superior in Herbster, Wisconsin. The solar-powered farm features perennial fruits and nuts interplanted on five acres, intensive market gardens, and rare breed pigs and chickens. Claire also serves on the Moses board. Note these are bonus episodes with Claire, focusing on risk management topics. Check out podcast episodes 40 to 43 for more on her farm story. We are here again with Claire Hintz of Elsewhere Farm. Thank you, Claire, for joining us and for always sharing your ideas and ways to get things done (laughs) and uh and also to an appreciation for doing things effectively and with health in mind on multiple levels physical Mm -hmm. health financial health you are a systems thinker which is great for the topic we wanted to talk about of identifying and managing risk on your farm and i know risk can mean a lot of different things but i wanted to talk a little bit on getting the work done. And you've had different ways you've approached things, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you've had, mm-hmm. if you could give us a little history, because you, you, you were a solo woman farmer, but you have brought on staff at different times, interns mm-hmm. and things, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But how, what's your big picture on managing labor on your farm? How do you look at it? Yeah. Um, I've, as you say, I, I've had interns uh, on my farm before, paid interns, And when I think about how I can teach them to be good farmers and also work with them as workers on my farm, the the first thought I have is how do I present myself to them and what habits do I have that they're going to learn, good or bad? Um, Certainly when I was doing internships, I learned things both what to do and what not to do based on what I saw the farmers doing. And so thinking about my labor on the farm um, and managing the risk of health injuries, um, managing um, liability, all those things, I start with myself. And so what do I need to do to take care of myself and um, manage all the risks, financial or whatever, um, ecological, and and then I can, then I'm in a good position to share that with the folks that are on my farm. Oh, that's so important. And we forget that. Yeah. That you're, you're the first priority. Yeah. For yourself especially as women. But also to model. Yeah. We definitely forget that, especially as women. So I've seen plenty of folks who are, you know, getting good food in front of their interns, but they're not stopping to eat lunch, you know, yeah. things like that, you know, not a model that's, it's, it's, you got to do it as well as, as talk about it. 
And when, when it, it comes to identifying your labor needs or when you have interns come on the farm, how do you balance the jobs that need to get done with your skill set or what your interns might be interested in or good at or is it yeah. more of a summer program with different pieces together? How do you yeah, look at it? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a balancing act. So I'm thinking about a couple, couple different dimensions at one time. One is what are the interns good at that they can feel like they've accomplished something and do fast on the farm? Uh, the other piece of that is what are they not good at and they're going to do it anyway, but I need to allow for that learning curve. And, um, and that's everything from lost production from transplants that didn't get transplanted quite quite well enough um, to just the time it takes. And it's been um, helpful to work with folks at different levels of experience. So for the folks who have interned on other farms, what we're mainly focusing on is speed and how do you work fast while also taking care of your body and making sure you're not getting repetitive stress injury, making sure that um, you're not doing too much of um, too much lifting at once, so you're going to have a back injury, or um, get bored with a knife in your hand and cut yourself. Those kinds of things. So, um, and then on the other end, working with young people who are just completely starting out new, it's uh, how do you sustain your work over the course of a day? And I tell folks that are applying for internships on my farm. Uh, you'd better go work out. It's the middle of winter. You'd better go find a gym or get a bunch of exercises on YouTube and work out before you get here because you may think you're in shape, but sustaining hard physical labor for an entire workday is a whole other thing and it's going to take some time. And um, oh, by the way, you're also addicted to sugar. And so uh, there's not a lot of that on this farm and that's going to have an impact on how tired you feel. Uh, how do you uh, get more diet, uh, diet correction, you know, vegetables in your diet ahead of time. So you feel great when you show up to the farm. And this is all before they even get yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Apply. <laughs> yeah. Because I've seen such a, there's such a steep learning curve in those first few weeks, you know, and, and we have in Northern Wisconsin, a super short growing season. So I don't really have a month to spend, you know, as their bodies adapt, you know, to, to getting off the ground. And so, I try and get them prepped ahead of time. And, and, and they, some, some of them do great at that. Some of them not so much, but they discover pretty quickly that they should have. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a lot of mythology about the farm life uh, because of popular media. And so even folks that know that it's going to be hard work don't quite realize what that means because they probably haven't been in an environment where that's happening. They might be a student. Um, they might have spent a lot of time in front of a computer they even other jobs are very different physically than what happens um, when you're a laborer on a farm. So I try and prep them with all of that ahead of time and, and um, usually try and work with them for a day um, before they're chosen for the farm. Um, just so, so your they get training extends before folks even get there. Yeah, found the prep is really the helpful. More... And that just means that people are more likely, their expectations are set properly and also that they're ready to jump in and then the rest of it is is way more enjoyable and and we can start focusing on other pieces like getting faster um like how do you look at so i run a very diversified farm how do you look at the landscape and notice details that you're going to want to pay attention to as a farmer so that's the color of your uh lettuce field uh is is are, do you have the right nutrient balance what's 
the moisture content of the soil, like where's the wind coming from and what does that mean for insect population? Um, really starting to focus on more of those details rather than having to worry about um, really basic stuff like how do you hold a shovel so you're not stressing your back? And how do, does, uh, does a woman's body differ from a man's body when you're picking up a tool? Um, and and uh, also size doesn't matter. So I five, I'm 5'1 five and uh, 130 pounds. And um, so my job is to work smarter rather than harder on the farm. And so when I'm teaching students, especially um, male students, I'm still talking about leverage and taking care of your body and showing that it's more about how you think about the work than muscling through the work that mm, needs to be done. Well, that's great, because yeah. that's where the injuries come in. You know, um, there, there's definitely hard work that has to be done in, in the right time. When it's going to rain, you've got a hay, uh, whatever that is. But if you could protect your body all the way around, other than that, um, those moments of high stress can be mitigated and you're going to do much better lasting over several decades of the work, you know, because that's our ideal if we can, if we can keep in the, keep in the profession for, for long enough. But I certainly know plenty of farmers who have wrecked their backs, you know, pretty, you know, and then suffered for, for 15 years through the, up until retirement, you know, with back injuries. And, uh, it's a it's a cautionary tale for all of us, I think. Well, you're in an opportune situation too with training because the people coming on your farm to work are potential beginning farmers, right? Yeah, I mean, often, they're at the beginning yeah. of the journey and it's get them not, young. Yeah, well, you're looking at it from a, a much more important, broader perspective. It's not just getting your farm work done, right? Right. I mean, right. That's, that yeah, that's yeah. a given. That has to be done. Yep. But you see labor and training more visionary would I say. I mean it's it's broader than that, right? right. Because you want to keep these folks farming and not burning yeah, yeah. And it's a it's a self interest in some ways in the sense that at some point I'm gonna be turning my farm over to somebody else. Um I, I don't have children and and it's gonna be somebody that was probably a former intern um or somebody who's in the young farmers coalition that I met somewhere. And so Knowing, um, knowing that there's um, some training, you know, there's many other farmers like me training the next generation um, is is hopeful for for the future of my own farm, and we just need more farmers in the place where I live. Uh, we're losing two billion dollars a year because we don't have enough local food, um, and that's a significant income wow, stream yeah. for the region. Talk about risk management. That's just your region. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because um, you're way up north. I'm way up north on Lake Superior. And so the whole Lake Superior, south southwest Lake Superior region, um, it's $2 billion a year that leaves that region because we're buying food from outside. We have the capacity land base wise and enough of a climate, a warm climate uh, to be able to produce all of the food we want, but um, we don't have enough farmers. Uh, so that's a, that's, a, that's a bigger risk management um, aspect that is always on my mind. How do we as a region feed ourselves? Not that we want to be an island, but we should be able to sustain ourselves and then enjoy, you know, the fruits of global trade on top of that, you know, yep. regional trade. Oh, yeah. And what, um, how do you assess what's your process in identifying when you need labor? And I know it's, that's a great question. Gray, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and have not a, pushing yourself. Right. And I have a, a pretty specific algorithm that I that I think about. So as mostly a solo farm algorithm, I figured you would. (laughs) 
as a, as a, as a mostly solo farmer. So I have interns, um, not necessarily every year, but I have interns and they're there to learn and I pay them. Um, and they, they do some work for me, but they're there to learn. And I know that the learning curve takes a long time. So I don't expect that their labor is adding a whole lot of productivity to my farm. Um, and that's taken into account. So but that's really important to realize that yeah, sometimes people right. do identify interns as yeah. free labor, free yeah, labor, cheap not labor, a, not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so as a solo farmer, um, I'm really careful to say, okay, these are the things I'm good at. And these are the things that I am not good at. And sometimes it's just better to hire it out. Um, and so that's everything from um, hiring on a bunch of extra labor to put up a hoop house because it's got to be done fast and well. And although I am a carpenter, um, people who do, who do that for a living can go a lot faster. Uh, we had the opportunity to do a group purchase uh, regionally of solar panels this last summer. You could have um, them install the solar panels or you could buy the kit from them and they would coach you through putting them up. And I had the wild idea of doing it myself and I certainly could have done it. But you know what? Middle of the growing season, they put those panels up and wired them and it was like half a day, you know, they were done. And there's no, I mean, it would take me a week to do it. Even, even though it wasn't hard, it was, I didn't, wasn't, wasn't familiar with what would have to happen next. And so there's just those moments where you just have to do the calculation of how much time is this going to save me to hire it out? And what's the long-term implication of having it done right? When I first moved to my farm, I put up about an acre of fencing. Uh, I have a really high deer pressure and I put the post and the T post in the ground and I looked at it and I was like, that's going to come down in one winter, you know, with the snow load that we have. I called the, you know, fencing company. They came out in a weekend, put in this beautiful fence. They came back the next year, did another two acres. I love it, you know, and it's pe- massive peace of mind. I didn't have to do it. Um, it was money. It was a lot of money. It was money well spent. You know, my whole farm depends on the integrity of that fence. Otherwise, the deer are going to. Be very organic and well fed. <laughs> Be well fed, yeah. Well, that's that's good to know. That's super important because it, it seems too that we as women have a real hard time identifying when we need help. Yeah. Or what advice would you give other women farmers in this area of realistically assessing what you can do and what you can't and how to... That's not a great feel like you have to do it all. Right, yeah. That's a great question. And, and sometimes it's just asking for help. Sometimes it's feeling dumb for asking because you may not even know how to ask for what you want. You have this vague idea. I would go into tool shops and um, look at, I inherited two different family members' tool sets and I would take something that I didn't know what it was. I'd walk into the tool shop and find it and be like, oh, that's a blah, blah, blah. And I can do this with it, you know, kind of educate myself over time. But we get into this habit of wanting to do it all to prove, to prove that we can do it. Uh, And I think it's just, it's back to the mantra of working smarter and not harder. Um, and and that's something that women can excel at is because sometimes we have, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to be muscling around a 75 pound bag of feed uh, for very long without body injury, um, typically. And so, you know, we learn to do things smarter, put it in a, put it in a hand truck, um, have a nice little pulley system where that stuff gets unloaded. You know, make sure you have um, a way to get the pallet apart or don't take the pallet apart. Make sure the pallet can go somewhere intact um, and then use it from there, whatever that is. So in the same way, it's, you know, what time do I have? Do I want to learn this skill? Um, and uh, is it is it something that's just going to take me so much time, uh, but it's something that's going to last me over many, many years. So 
You know, I send my taxes out for someone else to do. It's my gift to myself. It's maybe not financially necessarily breaking even to have that done, but it's something I don't have to worry about. And he does it great. And um, I I feel confident in his work. And I don't, like, I'm just not interested. I'm just not interested well, in doing it. Well, it's such a changing beast, too, that... Absolutely. Rules are changing every year. Investing in an expert yep. can financially... Come back. Yeah. Yeah. And I just don't want to have to calculate the depreciation myself. You know, someone else can work on that. And that's great. And um, it's, but but I did decide that at some point I was going to do more of my own um, when I did need to to uh, prep a field, start a new field, um, do my own tillage. And so um, I have a, a walk behind tractor. I don't uh, rely on large um, tractor tillage very often. Um, I have a neighbor who will do that. But um, it's just something that I wanted to take on myself because I can get the timing exactly when I want it. Um, I can get as deep or as shallow as I want it. I can be really specific. And it's time that I feel is worth spent with my hands on it. And um, even down to hay baling, uh, I, I put up hay for my pigs for the winter time and, and bedding for my chickens. Um, I have a neighbor who does that. It's great. I don't have to worry about it. But last summer, uh, we he's he's getting older, and at some point, very shortly, he's not going to be doing that for me anymore. And uh, we went out with a with a with his square baler and just baled a bunch of bales. And I actually, it was wonderfully. Um, it's hard to say fun when you're thinking about baling hay in the middle of the summer, but it, it it was a different thing that I hadn't done in a long time. It felt really good to be that physically tired, but it's a kind of aerobic activity. You know, you're moving. Um, and because I have training in yoga and training in Aikido, I'm careful about how I twist and how I pick up things, um, using leverage to toss that bale up in the in the hay wagon. And, um, you know, it was a really enjoyable day, actually, and I would do it again, you know, so that would be a piece that I'd take back for myself, you know, and there's just something visceral about the smell of fresh hay <laughs> and the temperature, you know, it's warm. Um, and also, you know, a simple thing like, hey, uh, this time around, uh, when I'm bailing hay, um, I have control of my asthma, I have medication for my asthma. And that was not the case when I was interning on my very first farm. Oh, and we were bailing hay. And, you know, it was it was a mess, right? I was I was a mess. But you know, so it was this nice little like, oh, this can be really much better. <laughs> well, much better, better. That's what we're striving for that's, here. Yep. These have been really good. And, 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 and um, repeatedly better. And that's the definition yeah. of managing risk. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. Repeatedly better. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Claire. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, MOSES. The mission of MOSES is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on MOSES, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out MOSESorganic.org.